how often, just as men, I'm not just talking about the fathers, but I'm also talking about the sons. How often do you express yourself to your fathers and fathers? How often do you express yourself to your sons about the very things that encourage you and the very things that you see God working in as well? The reason I ask that is because when you, when you look at a biblical perspective of love, um, of a father and a son, you see this love preceding everything, and it precedes it in everything, in speech and in action. And when even just as we read this passage here, you know, people have read this passage and they automatically skip to verse seven, where it says, "For the spirit God gave us is, doesn't make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline." But you look at the verses beforehand. I thank God, whom I serve, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I can be filled with joy. I am so reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother and in your mother. And I am so convinced that it lives in you, too. And it's like it's like Paul went soft on us, you know, or like and he just began to express himself in this different way. And even before he gets into the commands, you see this raw, just deep and intimate love that he would have for him. And that he would make sure that it's communicated, that just the feelings alone wouldn't just be left there. That he would make sure that he would communicate that before anything. You know, and I think that's something so, 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 so vital, just um, not just from a father to a son, but the sons to the father. That um, you live in a place of expressing the gratitude and the encouragement and the love that you have for one another. Um, just just as he does here, he reminds Timothy of the deep love that they have because we as we as men are you know susceptible to certain things. One of them is forgetting. We uh, we can't hear something once you know and remember it. Um, thank the Lord for the iPhone nowadays to help us put reminders in our phones. But for the most part, it's something we were trained to to constantly hear God's voice. We were constantly trained to hear of God's love and be reminded of it. Um, but also, you know, in the same way we, we were, men are just not as expressive of their feelings as well. And you're not to say like, this is a intimately touchy feeling. It's like, what is this? A mother daughter night? You know, it's no, this is a father son night. And that real, real men show the courage to be weak and vulnerable with one another. And that that's, I would say, even expressing your feelings is an act of courage not a weakness of any sort. And so when you, when you see this example, but you see the example that God has set forth for us, it starts with this. It starts with this expression of love that they have for one another because that has to precede everything. It's like the lubrication to everything that happens, you know, for all the screws and corks and everything. And without that lubrication, it's just kind of everything just kind of is off and it squeaks and it's rusty but love just has a way of just smoothing all of the things out that's in front of us. I think that leads well um, into verse 7 where he says, For this reason, or verse 6, For this reason I remind you to fan and deflate the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. I love that so much because he doesn't start with necessarily um, what he's doing right and what he's doing wrong, but he always starts with the calling and the purpose that's over them. And I think that for, you know, a father to realize that the purpose and calling that's over your son is always a place to start with. But also equally as well for the son, the son to remember 
that your father isn't there just to do everything right for you, but rather they have a calling as well as a father over your life. And they're, they're just as answerable to God as you are. And that's something to realize and to encourage and to take part in to make them the best fathers that they are as well. And so he says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. When you, when you look at um, one of the things about you know, men, even just in that first part, Paul wasn't timid about expressing the way that he felt or what he believed in in any sense. Um, he didn't do it in an overbearing or unloving way in any sense, but instead he was courageous to be um, the man that God called him to be and to call Timothy to be the man that he called him to be. And so when you see that, that kind of that timidity and how it relates to purity, um, you know, shame, I would say, when it comes to the walk in purity, when it comes to sexual purity, um, you know, all sins separate us from God. But this one has a way of really snaring us because of the shame that buries it, you know. And so I've mentioned this before to the junior high students, but how many times, uh, dads, have you been late to an appointment and five minutes and you after that meeting went into your car and you were like how am I going to tell my wife about this I, I can't show myself to my family I was five minutes late for an appointment probably not you know unless really take it to heart it's you're just five minutes late there's no real shame necessarily attached to it but then when you dive into the app sexual purity or where you've walked in your life or maybe even the things that you're dealing with yourself it can just bring about a timidity inside of you or of like i don't know if i'm really qualified enough to have this much courage or i don't know if i'm qualified enough to be like a full son and be fully engaged or i'm not sure if i'm qualified to be the father that god's called me to be and i just want to tell you guys tonight that you are so qualified you are so qualified to be the fathers that god has made you to be to lead your families the way that God wants to lead them through the power of his spirit. And then the sons in the room, you are so, so qualified and you are so, so forgiven and you are so, so called to, to be open and honest and be just exactly who you are. You don't have to be ashamed of who you are. And so when you, when you have courage, it leads to intentionality in your lives and it leads to this place where you guys as fathers and sons, you get to be intentional with one another and, I guess I want to clarify what I mean by intentional because I don't mean controlling necessarily because intentionality is this, hey, we're going we're gonna to make an effort and we're going to really make sure that we stick and commit to certain things. Controlling is just trying to get everything in a certain way, in a certain situation, or even I want things to work my way, and so I'm going to box in it my way. But intentionality is this thing that, Hey, we're going to be intentional about talking about how, how we're both doing each week. Hey, well, let's be intentional about hanging out once a week. Hey, let's be intentional about going golfing maybe once like once a week or two weeks and just talk about life. Talk about how you're doing with school. Talk about how you're doing with things around you. Intentionality has a way of, hey, let's be intentional about how you use your phone. Hey, let's be intentional about the iPad at the house or the laptop hey, let's be intentional about the people that you hang out with around you. And in the same way, that, that goes just as directly towards the sons in the room. Um, you need to be intentional about your lives. You need to be intentional about going to your father as well. Um, you need to be intentional about saying, hey, dad, this is what I'm going through right now. Hey, dad, I need to be honest with you. Hey, dad, I just, this is what I'm feeling right now. Hey, dad, can we hang out sometime? 
hey, Dad, can we, do you see how intentionality just, it draws you both near to one another rather than just saying, well, I'm just going to wait on the other person before they move, which um, it's never based on the other person of how intentional we are. We'll always be intentional towards one another. And so when you talk about things like self-discipline and purity, you know, we talked about a lot of things at the retreat when it comes to what makes a man of God and a man of purity. We talked about, you know, it's a lifestyle. It's not just an event. It's not just a choice that being, um, being a purity is a lifestyle. It's a way that you live your life with integrity, um, not only sexually, but in everything that you do. Um, you live with purity. You live pursuing God in everything. that, And in sexual purity, that's, we talked about things like boundaries having healthy boundaries in your life, not finding yourself in unhealthy situations or situations that could cause you to stumble. We talked about things like honesty and confession, which really matters in this room right now because the person that we're looking for honesty with is, is sitting right next to us. And that's, that's our biggest advocate, uh, sons in the room to the fathers, um, to help us, you know, help you guys in your walk in purity. But also just the pursuit of Jesus. You guys need one another to be able to pursue Christ, which is the most important thing. Because you can have all the outer boundaries in the right spots. But if the heart isn't there, if the heart isn't changing and pursuing God, this is just going to be caging an animal for the most part. And so I guess when it comes to the honesty and the, <clears throat> the, honesty and the confession part, that for the sons that are in the room... Um, it's not just about confessing when you mess up. It's about honesty. And the difference between confessing and honesty is that confessing is just once you've messed up or once you've gone through a series of poor decisions saying, this is how I made all my poor decisions. But honesty is an ongoing walk that you have and saying, hey, this is how I'm feeling. Hey, this is where I'm at before you fall or before you stumble or before you find yourself in a trap or in a snare. And that it's so vital that you guys would have a place that um, like sons in the room that you would have a place where you could be honest and upfront about where you're at and what you're seeing in front of you rather than just telling the tail end of things that's happening in your life because God, God made us honest for a reason so that they could be involved and that they could help us through that to avoid stumbling in that. And then I guess the other side of it as well for the fathers is it comes to creating a safe place where you feel like your son, you know, could be honest with you. And so, and, and I know that that's to a certain extent because it's both people, but what I do know, um, just as someone who has been a, been a coach, I've seen a lot of parents um, handle students who have failed very poorly, you know, where they scold them, they punish them, you know, they berate them, and then they go, they turn to me and they go, I just don't know why they're not honest with me. And it's, it's like, I do, you know, and it's, it's like, are you creating a safe place for them to be able to be honest? And actually, I remember a high school student, really sad story. Um, he was really struggling with porn, and he actually came to me to talk about it. But he had told about how um, his parents had found out and his mom just laid into him, disciplined him, told him, how could you look at that, um, grounded him. And he just looked at me. And you know when someone looks you in the eye, and it's all honesty when they're saying something, even if they don't know. And he just said, 
I will never tell my mom again that if I ever struggle with it. And it was like this bridge was just broken, just because someone who didn't want to be stuck in that was berated as if they did. And I think that's where for the fathers in the room, creating this safe place for your sons to be honest is so, so vital. It's, it takes both of you guys to be honest. So it's not like, yeah, dad, like make a safe place. It's like, no, you need to be honest with your parents and you need to trust them even when they're not perfect. Um, and so creating that safe place um, is not only um, a safe place just for one another, but just spiritually as well. Um, it's a safe place to share how you're doing in your heart, a safe place to share how you're doing with God. And when you have those safe places, when you have those pastures, those resting places in your life, that's where God just comes in, and that's where growing and healing happens in your life. It happens in those places, and there's nothing the enemy would like more than for us to never get to those places because we're too afraid of what the other person would think. But in reality, it's those places of honesty and safety where God just moves in a mighty way, and he can right wrongs, he can redeem brokenness um, in both parties. And so in verse 8, this is the last uh, verse that I wanted to look at. Um, and this is this one, it's in light of the dads, but it's also in light of the sons as well. And he says, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. And he says, rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And I think it's interesting that Paul would, would say, please don't be ashamed of me. You know, like that he would have to say that um, to someone like Timothy, whom he was so close with. And instead he says, but rather... Rather, join me in this process. Join me in what I'm doing. Because Paul was someone who actually went to prison for the gospel at this point when he wrote this letter. And so he's, he was berated. He was even berated by people you know, surrounding the church and things like that. And so um, he would even go as far as to say, hey, Timothy, don't, don't be ashamed of what I'm doing or what I stand for. But, but join with me in pursuing God. And that's when how you distinguish between yourself and between God is so key as a parent. And um, I don't know if uh, dads in the room, if you were here a couple weeks ago when, when Randy was talking about worship um, and he spoke about a verse out of Amos chapter 9 and he said, I'll, I will rebuild David's fallen tabernacle. And he mentioned how the tabernacle during the time of Moses was something that was covered so you couldn't see um, God's presence. But the tabernacle at the time of David he made it in a different way where the, the front flap of the tent was open so people could walk by and they go, there's God, there's God. And the verse doesn't say, I will rebuild Moses's tabernacle. It says, I will rebuild David's tabernacle. And that's that tabernacle nowadays, it's us. We are God's temple. We're God's holy people and priesthood and that we live in such a way that people would walk by us and go, oh wait, there's God. There is God inside of his heart. There's God in his life right now. And so when you talk about how, how are you as a parent or how are you as a son living in such a way that you're not covering up God, but you're living openly. And I think one of the biggest ways comes with your personal relationship with God just as a parent. And so um, are you asking your son to do something that you're not doing? Are you pursuing Jesus in the same way that you would hope your son would be? Um, I think that 
what is what is your relationship in daily pursuit of Jesus like and then are you sharing that with your son and that's an okay thing to share with your son about what you're walking in because the more that you begin to share about your journey um, the more that they're going to see a difference between you as a parent and then you as a child of God because studies have shown and things of the matter that when kids grow up you know whether a parent is good or whether a parent is bad, they have a way of influencing the kid in a whole nother way. Because if you have a bad teacher, let's say you have a bad teacher in middle school and you're like, gee, I've never had one of those. Um, you know, you have a way of going, well, they're rude, they're dumb, and I'm not going to listen to anything they say. But when you're growing up under maybe unhealthy parenting, it has a different way of affecting us because you'll believe anything because it's your source of life. It's, it's all you've known. But there comes a point where there's like this difference where you begin to see your parents differently than maybe what you believe because you begin to grow up, you begin to see things differently. And so that is especially true of faith. For the most part, when kids grow up, they associate their faith with their father's or their mother's faith in whatever it's like. And then at some point, it begins to change and it begins to get different. And one of the healthiest things that you can do as a dad is that you can, you can make the difference between who God is and who you are. So they don't just look at you as God, because when you fall short, they're going to say, well, he makes all these claims about who God is, but then he doesn't really live it up himself. God must not really be that impressive. And one of the, I think one of the best ways I would just say, um, and this goes for everyone, because I know I've said a lot about, well, this is the kind of relationships you guys should have. You need to be honest, you need to walk together, you need to be courageous. What about when you screw up? What about when you mess up? What about those in the room who, who mess up as a dad or those who mess up as a son? Because we're not perfect. We're not perfect at all. God has a way of, he doesn't just tell us what we should do. God has a way of leading us no matter where we're at. And so let's say maybe you've messed up as a parent. Maybe you yelled at your son when you weren't supposed to. Or kids, maybe you weren't, you know, honest with your parents the way that you were supposed to does that obliterate the whole relationship no it doesn't it in fact provides an opportunity for you to draw closer together and i'd say the best one of the healthiest things that you can do is apologize and pray together apologize don't don't ever be afraid to apologize to one another that actually that just happened to me actually just a week ago so i was talking to my mom and my mom has a way of being very direct with certain things in my life. Um, I would have, <laughs> I was just about to ask, how many of you have parents in this room that are that way? And it's like, no, probably shouldn't ask that with all the dads in the room. <laughs> but um, I just remember I, I just got fed up with her and I just got a little bit sharp in my language. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. I get it. And so how many of how many uh, kids in the room? How many sons? How many of you guys have been a little sharp with your parents at some time in your life? So maybe you're like a double-edged sword. And so <laughs> parents are like a couple times, you know. And I remember I just got off the phone, and I just remember the Holy Spirit just was tugging at my heart, and I just said, that wasn't right. And I was like, yeah, you know what, That's, that wasn't right. And God goes, well, you need to call and apologize and let her know that. And so I remember just kind of just wrestling with it as I was driving and just thinking maybe I'll make the call when I park this car. And God just spoke something and said, how, how, do you, how am I seeing through you? And I, that just at that moment, I was like, yep, I need to make this call. 
Because God is best seen when I apologize and make room for him. Because when I say, hey, mom, I'm, I just want to call and say, I'm really, really sorry um, for the way that I treated you. Will you forgive me? I know Christ would never treat you that way. Um, and so would you forgive me? That showed more of Jesus than me just letting it go or trying to be perfect in everything in our lives. Because none of us will ever be perfect. And frankly, we make a pretty weak Jesus on our own. And I think with the times when you're able to apologize and say, hey, can we just pray together? I'm sorry, will you forgive me? It's like this, all of a sudden, your son or your even the other way around, when you're wrong and you say, hey, dad, I just... I need to apologize. I wasn't so honest with you. It's like, and it's like you can see God in it, and it's like it makes this difference. And then that's when, just as the word says, when two or more gather, I'm there too. He's there too, and he's made known there too when we humble ourselves before him. And so um, that's, that's kind of the bulk of just what I wanted to cover tonight. I know that, I mean, I could go for three more hours, but... I will spare you all. <laughs> so um, I did want to open it up just for some, some questions because I know I didn't really get into just super practical stuff about the night. I just wanted to kind of touch on just where, where it touches on it in the word um, and just give some direction to where the spirit's leading. And so do you guys have any questions, anything on your heart? One man left. Perfect. No, <laughs> I'm over this. You know. Um, oh wow. Um, just a comment, Jeff, just to say thank you. It's yeah. It's always a, a tough uh, topic to mm-hmm. discuss, and, but we're grateful that you helped organize this and bring us all together. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So. Um, there was one thing that I also forgot to mention as well. That just, Roger, thank you for saying that. That reminded me of it. But the power for the dads in the room of having other dads to walk with you as well, just through. Um, it's not something you have to go alone or bear your burdens. And um, it's not something that you have to compare your parenting to, but it, it literally is. It's something that you guys walk together as dads and you support one another and you speak life into one another. It's so, so key and crucial and healthy to your family as well. And so what I did want to do to kind of just close the night. Um, oh, oh. How do you go to heaven? Hmm? How do you go to heaven? Good question. Um, you go to heaven by believing that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, as Romans says. And it says that Jesus um, forgives you of all of your sins. Good question. I wish people would ask that more often. So, um, what I did want to do, just kind of to close the night too, is um, the power of prayer together, um, and not just praying for one another, but praying together. Um, when you guys gather, it has a way of just putting everybody on the same page, and even just presenting your hearts towards God. And um, this is not a marriage in class, but there's something. Um, there's a statistic that it says, you know, the divorce rate is about 50%, and they say it's about the same within the church, but they did a study, and they found that the divorce rate among um, couples who pray together regularly is about 5%. It just plummets when you're able to just take some time to pray with one another, and that's 
true of all kinds of friendships, brotherhoods, father, son, mother, daughter, any kind of relationship. When prayer is something that's covering it, it just has a way of presenting you to God. And so what I did want to do, um, we'll do, we'll do two prayers together. Um, one I'm going to have, uh, just kind of, we can, we can have it over there where there's a little bit more room, but, um, I want all the sons to gather in the middle and the dads are going to lay hands and I'm just going to ask a couple dads to just lead out in prayer just to cover and just to show you on one hand that it's not just only your dad that's praying for you, but it's, this is something bigger. And this is something why we come together as the church, the body of Christ, the family of Christ, so that we can contend with one another. And because we're all in the same season together, we're all fighting the same battles um, and walking kind of these same paths. And then the other way of true is true as well. I'm going to have all the dads get in the middle and have the sons lay hands on the dads and pray and contend because um, kids, your dads need you to pray for them. Amen. Dads, can you give a big amen to that? Amen.